Amen. Well, church, good morning. Thank you to Dale and the, the praise band for leading us this morning in, in our worship. Um, let, let me just say a few things real, real quickly. Um, you know, the longer that this new normal continues, I think the thing that, that we are seeing is that, you know, we can still have church in our homes. Amen. But one of the things that we are seeing is that we have a longing as well to be together. You know, as I come in the doors on Sunday morning, and this is just my fourth month being here as pastor at Cecilia, one of the things that, that I just loved so much was the fellowship and the camaraderie of walking into this church on a Sunday morning at 8.15, 8.30, uh, here's Austin, and Austin's he, he's popping around. There's uh, there's coffee being made. There's cocoa being made, and you know usually by nine nine fifteen people are gathering and having a coffee, and uh, we're laughing and we're talking. And then you know by nine thirty more people are coming in. Nine forty five our small groups start, and you know you start you you miss those times. You miss those opportunities. And we're starting to see that we are missing this stuff even more and more because God made us for this. God made us to be relational. God made us to worship, yes, at our homes, yes, at home with our families. But God made us to worship together as well. Amen. And we're starting to miss that. I miss it. You know, even during the week, you know, I got so accustomed, and Austin can tell you, I get so accustomed to people coming in and just stopping by and saying hello or somebody coming in, and, and then I go with, on a visitation or whatever we do during the week. And, and, you know, and right now primarily it's just me and Austin and then Miss Kathy one or two days a week. And so uh, people are really starting to miss that. I, I know that I am. Uh, I, I miss my uh, church family, uh, my new church family, per se. And uh, let's just be praying. We're going to get through this, and when we get through this, let's just remember not to take another Sunday for granted, amen? That God can get us through this, and he's going to. I pray that you have a Bible uh, very accessible there to you this morning. Uh, I want you to open up to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. And we're going to look at verses 19 through 29 this morning. The Gospel of John, chapter 20, 19 through 29. I gave Neil a little bit of a, of a sermon outline, so maybe we can use it on Facebook this morning. I'm not real sure. Uh, but if you got a piece of paper and a pen or a pencil, uh, and we work through this together this morning, I know that there are some points that you can use that's going to help draw you closer to God, because a lot of people right now are facing a lot of doubt. They're facing a lot of fear, and we know why. And so maybe this morning, this is exactly what you needed to hear. Maybe this is going to encourage you. Maybe this is going to put some strength back into you, your spiritual self. And so I hope and pray that that's what this does this morning, because the title of the sermon is Doubt Can Lead to Belief. Doubt can lead to belief. You know, Benjamin Franklin once said, Believe none of what you hear and only half of what you see. Now, this type of motto, there, there's several advantages to this if you think about it. I mean, it can steer us away from the gossip train. It can keep us from being gullible 
And at the same time, it can kind of keep our creative imagination from running wild when we honestly mistake a, a bear standing on its hind legs for a seven-foot Bigfoot. Amen? And so applying Franklin's words, it can benefit us at certain times of our lives. But what happens when this type of motto is applied to one's faith? What happens then? Well, think about this. Spiritual doubt can lead to atheism. Lacking belief in the existence of God. Spiritual doubt can lead to agnosticism, one who is committed to believing in either the existence or who isn't committed to believing in either the existence or non-existence of God. Spiritual doubt also can lead to a hard what? A hard heart. Spiritual doubt can lead to misblessings. It can lead to mis-evangelistic opportunities, misfellowship, and the growth in the church. And spiritual doubt can lead to a belief in relativism which believes that there are absolutely no absolute truths. There's a disciple in the book of John chapter 20 that many of us are probably very familiar with, or at least his name. And his name is Thomas, but many of us know him as Doubting Thomas. And it's kind of funny because many people without even biblical knowledge have heard of a Doubting Thomas. Even the Webster's Dictionary describes this kind of person or a Doubting Thomas as a habitually doubtful person. But here's the thing, guess what? Thomas wasn't always doubting. He wasn't always doubting. See, biblically, we know a few things about Thomas. Thomas was a disciple of Jesus Christ. He was chosen by Jesus to be one of the twelve. Thomas was loyal to Jesus. In John eleven sixteen, it says, Therefore Thomas, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go so that we may die with him. In John chapter 11, Thomas was ready to share in Jesus' peril. So what in the world happened to Thomas? Why did his faith take such a downhill approach when all of the other disciples were on such a high from our scripture this morning? Well, this morning I want to show you and I want to give you some, some examples of how doubt can lead to faith or a renewed faith even in times of misunderstandings and in times of fear such as what we are living in at this current pace. So what happened to doubt, Doubting Thomas? Well, let's read. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 29. Here's what the Bible says. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, the doors were locked for the fear, fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them the, his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. And then he, here comes Thomas, the situation with him. Now, Th Thomas called Didymus one of the twelve. He was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples, they, they told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, 
and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, the disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them, though the doors were locked. And Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Notice how he came in at that moment and his attention went straight to whom? It went straight to Thomas. And he said to him, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day. Thank you for the music. Thank you for uh, letting us come and, and, and teach and sing and, and, and preach the gospel. Father, you are still God. And Lord, we are going through a time in our history that's unparalleled, Lord. Father, so many things have, have happened because of this sickness, and um, God, it has created a pandemonium. It has created a fear. But Father, let us be reminded today that our doubts and our fear can lead to faith and a renewed faith in you. And so, God, let us all be reminded, let us all understand, dear God, that if we are in Christ, Lord, there's, there's nothing for us to fear. Because, Lord, we, we know that whatever comes our way, that, God, when we close these eyes in this flesh, we know that we will open them up in your presence. And, Father, we thank you for that. Work through this sermon today. Work through your word. Open up hearts. Make decisions. And, Father, may we see you at work. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. So before we go forward with, with Thomas, we have to understand that, that, that Thomas was already an emotional mess before he's told in verse 25 that the others had seen Jesus. Thomas had given up everything to be a follower, to be an apostle of Jesus. He loved the Lord, but he became scared. He became confused. He worried that his life would be taken. He probably even worried that maybe he would be the next one who would be crucified and put on a Roman cross. Yes, they had seen miracles. Yes, they had seen healings. Yes, they had even seen Jesus bring a man back from the dead. But their surroundings and their lack of understanding, it cast doubt into who Jesus Christ really was and the words that Jesus had been teaching and the words that Jesus had been preaching, even about his own resurrection, there were doubts that were steering their mind. You know, as a pastor, I encounter people who have faith, but many times their doubts seem to steer their faith instead of their faith steering their, their doubts. I witness people coming to Jesus Christ with their issues <clears throat> and, their <clears throat> and their problems, and 
It seems in the back of their minds, they know Jesus can do great and marvelous things in their lives, but for some odd reason, their, their doubts take over, and it seems like they tell themselves or they convince themselves that Jesus just can't handle their issues. That Jesus cannot handle their, their past failures, and there's no way that Jesus is worried about my salvation. But here's the key, and all of us should understand this. Jesus wasn't just a man, but Jesus was a risen and is a risen Savior. And if he, if he can overcome the grave, then he can help you overcome your doubts. Amen? And I want you to look at verse 24. The Bible tells us in verse 24 that Thomas was not with them when Jesus came on that first Easter Sunday. We don't know where Thomas was. But we do know this, and this is where our outline starts this morning. If you're at home, you want to write things down. This is what we do know, is that Thomas missed out on the Christ-risen encounter. He missed that. He missed that Christ-risen encounter that the other disciples were a part of. And Thomas was not with the others when Jesus made this supernatural appearance to the disciples on the evening of the first day of the week. So think about this. Thomas wasn't there when Jesus suddenly appeared to the disciples in their midst, even though the doors had been what? Had been locked. Thomas wasn't there when Jesus showed them the nail-scarred hands and feet. Thomas wasn't there when Jesus breathed on them the promised Holy Spirit. Thomas wasn't there when Jesus explained to them that they must preach forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And you think about this, a lot of times we miss out on Christ-filled encounters because we're not looking for Christ to be there. We're not looking for Him to be there. Now, I'm not saying they were having church that Sunday morning, but what I am saying is that Thomas missed out on that first encounter because he did not truly understand that he served a different kind of king. He served now a risen king. You know, wouldn't it be amazing if we started coming to church with the expectation that Jesus was going to do something in someone's life every time we walk through these doors? Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be special that every time we turned on the TV, Facebook Live, every time we opened up the Word of God, that God, that Jesus was going to show up and He was going to do something amazing in someone's life. Now I realize we're not going to see the nail-scarred hands at church, but I want you to think about this to yourself personally. Can you imagine if people use the scars in their own lives to tell how Jesus has healed them? Wow. That's called testimonies, by the way. Amen. The church is missing that today. We think to ourselves, well, you know, personal testimonies, that's just a, that's a thing of the past. It's something we used to do, but, you know, now we just don't have time for it. I'm going to tell you, we should make time for it. Because it is a building block on our foundation of faith in Jesus Christ that we need to hear how the scars in your life have been healed by the Maker. 
by the Savior, by the Creator of the world. And because Thomas was not there that day, it led to another level of doubt. If you read in verse 25, watch what Thomas says. And how many times have we ever heard this? If you're a pastor, listening, watching, unless I see... I love just the first couple of words there, right? Unless I see the nails, the nail mark in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. And so number two is the next thing we see. Thomas denied what happened that day because seeing is believing. Isn't that the model that we live by? Seeing is believing, right? Imagine yourself as Thomas that day. You walk in, you hear you've missed the greatest event that's ever taken place in Christianity. You've missed an event that could have changed your life. You've missed an event that only a few had seen face to face. Now most people have to see something before they believe it. And for Thomas, it was easier to deny what they had told him than facing the truth about himself. If you think about it, we're in a situation like that now presently in our lives, are we not? We can't see this virus that has stopped the world, but we know it's there because of the sickness. We we know it's there because of the death. We know it's there because of the fear and the uncertainty and the pandemonium that it's causing throughout the world. Now, you may be saying, but, you know, Pastor Donnie, come on, you know, we can see it because we can see it underneath a, a microscope. We have to get something that's so powerful that when it's in a Petri dish, that's the only way that we can visually see it to know that it exists. But can't we also see God all around us? Come on. God told Job in chapter 38, Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations, Job? Stay with me. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it on? What were its footings set on? Who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind the doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds in its garment and wrapped it in thickness? When I fixed its limits for it and set its doors and its bars in place? When I said, this far you may come and no farther. Here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn in its place. Paul told the Romans in chapter 1, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have clearly been seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without an excuse. See, we can see the evidence of this virus. We see it. We know that it's there, but can't we see the evidence of God as well? Can't you see it? See, this is where it all starts to sink in for Thomas. Thomas didn't want to face the fact that others' testimonies were valid. So this is the third stipulation. This is where his denial kept building. Number three, Thomas's denial led to stipulations. 
His denial led to stipulations. Thomas wanted proof of what had happened, and he demanded three things. Number one, he wanted to see the nail-scarred hands of Jesus. He wanted to see them for himself. Number two, he wanted to place his finger where the nails were. <laughs> you imagine when, when we pass from this life and we're in the presence of Jesus, I'm going to tell you that's the last thing I want to see. That's the last thing. He doesn't have to prove anything else to me. But for Thomas, this is where Thomas was, that in his life. And then number three, he wanted to put his hands into the side of Jesus. And so he wanted to see and touch all of these woundful places that Jesus had. But let's be honest, can you really blame Thomas for his disbelief? What he was asked to believe is beyond belief, right? So for Thomas not having that encounter with the risen, risen Jesus, this, this tale being told by the disciples, it's a bit unbelievable, although Thomas had seen Jesus do some unbelievable things way before being told Jesus had risen from the dead. Even for us who had the benefit of knowing the end of the story, this seems unreal. I mean, it's not every day that we hear about people rising from the dead. Attending a funeral for a friend, someone comes up to you and says, Excitingly, you'll never guess who I saw at the dollar store today. He looked great. Heck, he looks better now than he did before he died. Think how you would react to that. You would think that your friend is delusional. You would think that your friend's got a creative imagination and that was getting the best of them. Or, or, or maybe the person just looks eerily familiar to the person who died several days ago. I, I guess the question may be, how many in here? How many watching at home would have been just like Thomas, if we're honest? Throughout the years, Thomas has become basically the scapegoat for the church, which sometimes says that doubt is wrong. But sometimes doubt is just the beginning of wisdom. See, the only difference between Thomas and the rest of the disciples at this point is that they saw Jesus face to face after the resurrection, and Thomas had not. I wonder how many of them had been doubting Thomas's as well before their encounter with the risen Lord. Now, some will say that Thomas had lost his faith in Jesus, but I'm not so sure. Thomas didn't say he didn't believe in Jesus he said, I don't believe you guys basically are telling me the truth. Yes, his doubts were weighing heavy on his mind, but it reminds me of what Lee Strobel once said. Hear this. There are three kinds of people in the church. Those who are struggling with doubt right now. Those who have no doubts now, but will struggle with them in the future. And those who have no doubts and will never have any doubts because they're basically brain dead. Think about that. See, here's the point. If we have faith in Jesus, there's going to be times in our life when we struggle with doubt. 
it's coming. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I'm never going to preach a gospel that, that sounds like that it's imaginative or it's made up or it's been something that somebody has tried to preach before me. I want to tell you the truth. The truth. There's going to be times in our life when God just doesn't fit into that box anymore. It's going to happen. There's going to be times in our life when something happens and we're going to question God, Lord, why did this happen? There's going to be times in our lives when something as we view horrible happens in our lives and in our families and we're going to break down and we're going to ask God why. That's exactly what's going on right now, isn't it? Everybody wants to know, God, why are these things happening? You know, I've heard people say, Oh, if you're a true believer, if you're a true follower, then you're never going to sin and you're never going to have doubts. Well, if you read Paul's epistles, if you read James, if you read 1 John, these are scriptures written to believers in Jesus Christ, and you will see that Christians were still dealing with sinfulness and they were still dealing with doubts. But, but, God can use doubts to make us stronger. Amen? God can use doubts to make us wiser and to propel us to be more than what we already are. See, as Thomas's doubts started to rise and he became even more confused, there was only one person that could undo this bout with doubt. There was only one. And watch what happens. Look at verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and who was with them this time? Thomas. But think about this. You ready? One day passes, no Jesus. Two days passes, no Jesus. Three, no Jesus. Four, no Jesus. Five, no Jesus. Six days, no Jesus. Can you imagine what kind of week Thomas was having now? It hurts my heart for Thomas. The emotions that he had to be dealing with. And finally, after a week had passed, all of a sudden, without a warning, here's Jesus. And he appears in their midst once again. And the doors are locked once again, by the way. Have you ever noticed, though, this? Jesus can do this for all of us. It's what he does. I mean, when our doubts get the best of us, when we shut our, house, our hearts out to Jesus, when we get angry, when we get upset, when our feelings are hurt and we feel alone, we feel abandoned, when sin is in control of our life and we cannot find a way out, when life is just failing, all of a sudden he has a way of coming through that door when we least expect it. How many times have people said, unless God does this, 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 I will not believe. I don't know why Jesus chose to put himself in the presence of Thomas that day, but he did. And it says in verse 26, he addresses them all, but his attention turned straight to Thomas that day. And I can only imagine what Thomas is thinking. Imagine what you would have been thinking. You missed the first encounter. Now it's been another week. They say they've seen him. You've not seen him. They're on an emotional high. You're on an emotional low. 
So imagine now all of a sudden, here's Jesus. And, and you look at the conversation, you know, and I bet it's something like this. They're all talking. And here's Thomas, and he's looking this way, and Jesus is behind him, and they're like, hey, Thomas. And he's like, oh, man, I bet he's right behind me. Jesus has a sense of humor too, amen? And maybe Thomas was thinking, oh, no, they were telling the truth. He has been resurrected. I'm sure he's coming my way to tell me. There's no room for people like me in heaven. Could that have been on his mind that day? But watch what Jesus does. Read verse 27. Look and see what he does. He says to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. See, number four, Thomas may have touched Jesus, but it's Jesus who touches Thomas spiritually. Jesus did the touching. And notice, Jesus doesn't respond with anger. He doesn't respond with harsh words, but he responds with what was on the heart of Thomas that day. He allowed Thomas to touch him, and then he addressed the issue of doubt. See, Thomas may have touched Jesus, but Jesus touches Thomas. He says, stop doubting, and what? And believe. You know, there are times in our lives when doubt is healthy. I think we all know this. Can I cross that two-lane road without that car that's doing 90 miles an hour running over me? Can I beat that car? Can I actually put on a cape and jump from the roof of my house and fly like Superman? Can we do that? Or maybe you see an internet site that says Elvis Presley and Michael Jackson were seen at a retirement home in Arizona starting a new praise band. It's okay. There's always going to be a little bit of room, a little bit of reason for, for some doubt, but there's more than enough reason to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, that he appeared to more than 500 people at one time after his resurrection. See, doubt is not negative until it leads you not to believe in what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. And this is exactly what Jesus was warning Thomas about. Jesus was saying basically this, Thomas, you're acting like a person that doesn't have faith. Stop it and believe. Stop it. And believe. And look at verses 28 through 29. And, 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 you know, what do we see here? Well, this is what we see. We see Thomas's doubts turns to belief. And he says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. Thomas goes from one demanding evidence to one declaring the truth of the gospel. And Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet what? Believed. You know, let me ask you this morning, are you still dealing with doubts about who Jesus really is in your life? Are you still dealing with the doubts? Is he real? Is it just a mythical story? Are you still dealing with the doubts that he can really forgive you of your sins and change the direction of your life? And before we close, I want to give you three things.
I'm going to give you three things. You want to write them down, you can. If you just want to listen, that's fine. But I'm going to give you three things. Number one is this. It's okay to acknowledge your doubts. It's okay. I've heard people say, well, I don't come to church because everybody is so sure of what they believe, and I've got some questions. I've I got some things on my heart. It's okay to acknowledge your doubts. Raising questions and having some doubts is never the sign of a weak faith, but rather it's a sign of a growing faith, in my opinion. You know, Lee Strobel was one of the nation's most renowned atheists, but now he's a former atheist. He's been saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. He's a Christian author and a Christian speaker. Why? Because Lee opened up the Bible and he read it for himself. He read it for himself. You know, with all the time that we have right now with this virus and being quarantined, I pray that you're in your Bible. Get in the Word of God. Read it for yourself. Number two, here's another way to give you some encouragement. Turn to Jesus for help. Turn to Christ for help. Notice the first time that Jesus appeared, Thomas wasn't with them for whatever reason. But the second time, where was Thomas? He was with fellow believers. He did not hightail it out of town because of his doubts. No, he put himself in a situation to understand his doubts, and it paid off for Thomas. It paid off for him. So turn to Jesus for your help. And then number three, be open to receive what God gives. Be open to receive it. What did Thomas need? Thomas needed peace. He'd been running, and his doubts were leading him instead of his faith. And so all I can ask you, though, is this today. You ready, guys? People watching at home, the few that are here this morning... If Jesus is touching you today, I pray you won't run away, but I pray that you will run to him. You know, I know last Sunday we had a profession of faith by someone that was watching at home. Someone decided to place their faith in Jesus and to put their doubts aside about who he was for them in their life. And there may be somebody watching today. There may be a child there may be a teenager. There may be an adult that's been dealing with all of these doubts about who Jesus really is and who he says he is. Well, today you can put those doubts, you can put them aside. Can you say today beyond a shadow of a doubt that you know that Jesus is your personal Savior? Do you know that? Do you trust in that? Do you confide in him? Before Dell comes and plays and we have a time of invitation, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. And God, maybe there's someone out there watching this morning that has been dealing with so much doubt and so much uncertainty. And Father, maybe, maybe their spiritual life has, has decayed. Maybe they have just fallen beside. And God, they needed this today. They needed strength to know that you love them and that you'll never leave them. And that, Father, that you are always there for them as well as the church. And so, God, I pray this today. If someone's watching, they can pray this prayer. Lord, 
I know that I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. And that, Jesus, you're the only one that can do it. Forgive me of my sins, Father. Lord, I believe in you. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus is the Savior. I believe that Jesus lived, died, and he rose again. And he did it for me to give me life. And I confess right now Jesus as my Lord, my Savior, and my God. And for those that are in Christ this morning, maybe you needed some strength. Maybe you needed some wisdom. Lord, lift us up. Strengthen us, dear God. Encourage us, Lord, even in this time of doubt. Because, Father, you are good. And you are always good. For it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.